Time once again for the Built by Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, coming to you from 2019 SEC Media Days. Always a big week on the college football calendar. But 50 years ago, uh, known for something maybe uh, on a little bigger scale than college football, the Apollo 11 mission to the moon. And we're going to get to that from a very, very unique, one-of-a-kind, the only way to really describe it, perspective from the one, the only, Kirk McNair, my colleague here at BamaOnline.com. I guess we'll start right here with this event, though, Kirk. Uh, I think you're pretty much undefeated, aren't you, when it comes to attendance? I'm pretty sure that I'm the only one who's been to every one of these. And I was hoping they would have it in Dallas next year and I could break my streak, but <laughs> they're keeping it kind of close to home. So. Yeah, they keep it within like a three-hour radius. You almost have to go, don't you, a oh, four-hour yeah. radius? Yeah, you just have to. You couldn't, uh, couldn't let it go on that, on that easier on that easier punt so uh, give us an idea though of how much this thing has evolved not only in location but just the attendance from the media standpoint we're on radio row recording this podcast this in and of itself is a monstrosity but oh, just yeah. talk about how far it's come as an event well amazingly the uh, the uh sky, the sky riders preceded sec media days which of course wasn't cost sec media days until uh, a couple of dozen years ago, maybe. <laughs> and uh, the, the Olympics in Los Angeles actually killed the Skyriders tour because uh, enough of the, the only people that went on the Skyriders were the top dogs at the top newspapers. Well, the Olympics in, in Los Angeles took them away. Mm. And so there weren't enough people who could, could make the trip, so they did away with it. And then a couple of years later, I think 84, uh, they established the SEC Media Days. Again, they didn't call it that in a fairly small room at a hotel down near uh, the medical center here in Birmingham. At that time, the SEC headquarters was located in a very few offices on about the, I don't know what floor of the 10th or so floor of the Central Bank huh. building. Uh, it had about five or six employees total, you know. And it was everything was a much smaller scale in those days. But uh, I would say, in that first, uh, we'll call it SEC Media Days. It was a day. It wasn't days. Ten coaches came wow. in. Uh, you know, about a ten-minute presentation and a twenty-minute question and answer period, and that was it for everyone. It was so. It was so relaxed that uh, no name tags. Didn't no, have name no, tags no, on, like on us that. like we've got now. Uh, and uh, and uh, um, I think just about anybody could have walked in, really, and uh, it would have been just fine. But uh, I remember that Doug Layton, uh, a radio sure. personality who had been, who was out at the time, Alabama's uh, color man on uh, radio broadcasts of uh, Alabama football, uh, but a local radio personality in Birmingham. He sat in the back and taped, not taped, I thought he was taping it. He was broadcasting the whole thing. So the whole event was broadcast in Birmingham only, uh, the first one. And when some of the writers found out about it, they weren't, 
Birmingham writers, they weren't very happy about that. I remember Doug said, nobody told me I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, you, you think the SEC network would have liked those broadcast fees that <laughs> Doug had back in the day? It's a pretty good deal Doug had going, pretty, huh? Uh, pretty good deal. And uh, just, a, just as a real quick example of how informal <laughs> it was. And, again, there, there may have been 30 reporters there, uh, no TV, other than Doug, no radio. <laughs> uh, they were just newspaper reporters at that time. And, uh, you know, and the SIDs and the It was just coaches, coaches, no players? No players, right. no players. Just, just the head coaches uh, dressed in golf attire, most of them, because they, I think they were going to, as long as they were here, they were going to go play golf. But it was so relaxed that, uh, or so, uh, I guess, unstructured that, uh, Vince, while Vince Dooley was waiting to go on, or maybe after he'd gone on, I don't remember exactly, but Pat Dye was up speaking, and after Pat finished his presentation, uh, Pat, the coach at Auburn at the time, of course, Vince Dooley at Georgia, uh, reasonably tough rivals, you'd think. Sure. Well, Dooley had come in and sat down right next to me, and when Pat finished his uh, presentation and asked for questions, the first hand to go up was Vince's. <laughs> and I don't remember the question, but I, I do remember that there was no way in the world Pat Dow was going to answer that question for Vince Dooley. <laughs> I guess one of the next big steps that this took as an event was it went to the Sheridan eventually, right? Right there near Legacy Arena, BJCC. Correct. That's exactly right. right. And that was across. By then, the SEC had their brand-new building down down right there in that same yeah. area. So it uh, sort of made sense that uh, that that event would go there. And even then, though, it was held in a fairly small auditorium. Mm -hmm. uh, it was still had grown like it like we know it now. You know, I heard the number that they'd given out a 1,000 credentials this year, which is absurd, <laughs> really, is. when you think about it. Um, how many? How could that many outlets <laughs> have, uh, quote, qualified for, for it? Of course, we've got a lot here uh, for, through 24-7, of course. <laughs> <laughs> a lot harder to get into an SEC stadium on a Saturday in September than it is the Winfrey on a Wednesday in July, right? No question about it. Uh, authorized or unauthorized. <laughs> We're talking with Kirk McNair, getting literally a Hall of Fame perspective on one of the more monumentous events in our nation's history. And that, of course, 50 years ago this week, the Apollo 11 mission. Kirk, um, I've read your write-up on this, and you're, it's outstanding. Uh, it's great. But talk about how Coach Bryant back then sort of staged things that would allow for access from media in a very, very laid back setting to say the least. Absolutely. Well, I saw, we had talked about briefly the Skywriters who right. came in uh, with just a, a handful of the top, a DC really the three. sports yeah. editor. Yeah, and just really it was the top, it was the sports editors of the major papers around the South. But for the state, uh, reporters, you know, the guys who uh, were maybe covering the team, but the sports editor made the trip, and and uh, the reporter at that paper might have uh, probably didn't. And are the you know the smaller outlets in the state, which were important to Coach Bryant. He thought that those mm -hmm. small papers were important because they covered high school football, and he wanted to 
he wanted those high school players seeing Alabama on those sports pages too. So uh, he had what came to be known, and I'm pretty sure that Coach Bryant didn't name it this. I'm pretty sure Charlie Thornton, who was his uh, sports information director at the time, uh, came up with the Bear Bryant Golf Classic. Because I assure you, there was little about golf that resembled much of it, and certainly nothing classic. But anyway, it was a great outing for a lot of people, and I was probably the youngest one. Uh, I'd been uh, lucky enough to uh, be selected by Bill Lumpkin, who was sports editor of the now defunct Birmingham Post-Herald, to be his assistant sports editor and to begin uh, covering Alabama and Auburn. In those days, there weren't beat reporters. Uh, people, who was playing the best game that week? They covered that game. Gotcha. Hardly anybody ever went to campus for like a Monday or Tuesday really? or anything like that. That was very rare. There weren't like organized access opportunities like there are now? Or... Not at all. Not yeah. at all. So Coach Bryan and Charlie, I'm sure, came up with the Bear Bryant Golf Classic in which he hosted uh, these writers from around the state, a few radio people, maybe a television, Tom York, for instance, had a morning television, not a sports show by any means, but he was a personality. An eclectic group. It very, it included some sponsors. Sure. The Gold, Coke and Golden Flake, Bear Bryant <laughs> TV show, a little uh, multitasking there, <laughs> and, uh, and some bowl representatives. So it was uh, fun, and here was the, great part so uh hard to believe today every one of his assistant coaches was there and we all, all intermingled <laughs> yeah well he didn't have quite that many then uh but he had a lot and they were all there and we intermingled uh we in this particular year 1969 we're talking about 50 years ago the event was held at willow point and then on the shores of lake martin near alex city coach bryant had a quote, cabin there. His cabin was a little nicer than some. Uh, and uh, and we had a, after we played golf, we all went to, to the Bryant cabin. And uh, we were all, stay, we all stayed in cabins down there that were sort of set up like uh, camp bunk, uh, bunk houses, sort of. And so, you know, a writer, the writers would be in with the coaches sure. or whoever. I remember I was in a cabin with John David Crow, who had won the wow. Heisman Trophy. Yeah. You know, that was a big enough thrill for me to, uh, you know, as I said, I was fairly young. And uh, uh, listening to hit guys like Sam Bailey and, and uh, uh, John David Crow tell story, Dude Hennessy, of course. Uh, it was just, a, it was quite an, an experience. But that night we went to Coach Bryant's cabin uh, where he had a pontoon boat and he would take out uh, little excursions of people not too far uh, uh, and then back to the cabin and then and then he cooked the steaks actually for the wow. dinner that night uh, and nobody complained and nobody complained <laughs> at all but you know he cooked them like most men do he they looked about right take them off they weren't burned okay <laughs> dig in and uh, and then it was in so we were inside the the bar was open i will say that i'll uh -huh. confess to that and uh, billy varner uh, Coach Bryant's uh, driver and uh, uh, probably confidant for many years yeah. was uh, manning the bar in there, and it was, he was doing a brisk business. 
But that was the night that we thought we were going to be able to see on television the first man uh, land on the moon. Yeah. And uh, I was excited about it. Uh, some of them weren't. You know, the uh, guys were in the back and, you know, enjoying their drinks, laughing and chatting the way men will do, especially football men. <laughs> and... Uh, I I got a seat on the sofa right in front of the little black and white television set. So this wasn't a 50 inch uh, HD no, in 69, a, huh? No, no, no. Rabbit ears and ah, you know, we got only, only could get one station, WSFA, out of Montgomery. Huh. And uh, and Coach Bryant was interested too, and he came down and also sat down on the sofa. And I, I guess at that point I should have jumped up and moved away, but. I was there first, I guess. I thought I was okay. And Sam Bailey came down, sat down on the arm of the sofa next to me, and and I offered him my seat. And he said, no, no, you stay right there. So we watched and watched and waited and waited. And it was, of course, a long buildup. Uh, and uh, at one point, the little levity, I guess, is, is uh, uh, somebody said something in behind us. Uh, I don't remember who or what, didn't matter. And Coach Bryant turned around to address whatever subject had been brought up. And when he turned back, they had an animation sort of a deal that would show. Illustrating it, showed, it. It looked like a Lego man, you know, going down the, the, uh, the ladder from the module to the moon. But it caught Coach Bryan off guard, and he shouted, there it is. <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Bryant was right behind us, uh, and she said, Papa, that's just a cartoon. <laughs> so then we were back to it. But sure enough, uh, you know, there was one small step for mankind, and uh, for a man, and one giant step for mankind. And uh, the room was absolutely hushed, awestruck. Yeah, and it was the ab it was also the subject deep into the night. We yeah. we had never, obviously, nobody had ever seen anything like it, and we were uh, we were duly impressed. I'll put it that way. So we've got so many conspiracy theorists out there <laughs> with the flat Earth, with the trip to the moon. Did Coach Bryant? Did you? Did everyone in that room buy that we were on the moon that night? Well, Coach Bryant did, That's and I'll say that I did, and I didn't hear anybody decide that they wanted to raise a ruckus with Coach Bryant. So there you go. That's official. Paul Bear Bryant believed it happened, so it absolutely did. Now, I want to ask you or talk about the big picture aspect of all this. Everything you just outlined for us, I think Coach Bryant, known obviously as a great football coach, a molder of young people, uh, but in terms of big picture thinking, the crowd that you described to us that he brought together for those type of events, that speaks to a guy who gets it. Oh, yeah. In every aspect of the job, he was ahead of his time, I would say, from that standpoint. Well, I would say so, too. Uh, you know, he had one of the early coaches' TV shows, and then when he got to Alabama, it became must-see TV, mm -hmm. uh, an hour on Sundays competing, competing with the NFL. Uh, he did a coach's call-in show with, Doug, with the aforementioned Doug Layton. Uh, Doug came up with the idea of a bear line. And as far as we know, uh, no coach had ever had a radio show that people could call in and ask him questions. And uh, 
and Coach did, Coach Brian didn't have a, a team of marketing people or this was stuff that largely he came to himself. Came to himself, and also people came to him. You know, some guys a call, call, well, not just not outside of this. Right. Uh, he'd be in his office and somebody would call and say, uh, Coach Bryant, look, uh, I've got a uh, such and such a product. I sure would like to uh, use Alabama's name on it or your name on it. He said, yeah, sure, go ahead. But one day he was, he was there with uh, Larry Striplin, who owned uh, most of Selma, I think. <laughs> But including, he had hired Bill Battle to run a new sort of public relations deal. Somebody called Coach Bryant, wanted to use his name. He said, yeah. And Larry said, what do you get for that? And Coach Bryant said, uh, I don't get anything for that. I figure it's good to get our name out there for recruiting and selling tickets. Yeah. And Larry Striplin said, people will pay big money to use your name. He said, let me let, uh, I've got Bill Battle working on a new project. Let me get him in touch with you. That was the founding of the collegiate licensing. I was going to say, it went pretty well for Bill. Well, particularly since Larry just gave it to him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so later, Larry, I was in a group. I didn't ask the question, but somebody, <laughs> a friend of mine did, said, Larry, why in the world did you give that away? He said, if I'd known what it was going to be, believe me, I wouldn't have given it away. But certainly Bill Battle, not only he did well, but he, he right. did well two ways did well financially for himself but he did a great job of getting you know a brand new project off the ground and uh and and making it really go yeah and it's been very very beneficial to every university just about in the united states i guess yeah impactful well beyond just the university of alabama exactly it's college sports wide uh when you really think about it kirk uh, anything else you want to add to that uh memorable evening that memorable weekend i guess you from know, 1969 it was, uh, it was it was a it was a that is obviously tops in my individual mind it's where i really met cm newton who Me. i would work with later you know a year later i was working for alabama right and i was uh, one of the hosts of that uh, bear bryant golf classic but i met cm newton on that trip and spent a long time talking to him and of course we became not only co-workers, or obviously me working for everybody. That's the way I looked at it when I was in sports information. But uh, we were fast friends uh, for the rest of his life, uh, which sadly ended a little yeah. over a year ago. Uh, so it was, I, th- I remember things like that, but you know, and I, I'm thinking and I'm trying to remember, uh, Jimmy Sharp was there and Jimmy is still with us. And I can't think of another, person that was in that cabin uh, other than Jimmy and me. Wow. And, uh, and that's, um, I mean, it's only been 50 years. What happened to these people? I know. Come on. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. So I was, I think during that cabin viewing, I was uh, seven months old. So uh, I've hung in there, I guess. But yeah. I can't thank you enough, Kurt. Hey, Again, it's, always- it's a unique perspective. You talk about an exclusive perspective. <laughs> of a historic week in our history as a country, but certainly uh, resonates within the University of Alabama fan base as well. Kirk McNair, synonymous with the University of Alabama Athletics. I'm not going to say how many years, Kirk. <laughs> We've already said a good yeah, bit think, of I it. I think we told on you already. <laughs> Kirk, 
Thanks a lot, my man. Look forward to working with you again this football season. Uh, my pleasure, Travis. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes, Kirk McNair on the Built by Bama online podcast.